0: And welcome to another episode of Madrigal at the Movies with Rob and Rob. I am one of your hosts, Peter Madrigal.
1: Hey guys, and I'm Roya. I mean Rob
2: Federick, and I'm really <laughs> proud to be here today. I'm Rob Schulte, and it's a miracle that we're reviewing this movie so early. You know, I say so early, but we're rapidly approaching our first birthday. It's yes. a weeks away, guys. As You away. say early. I feel like
1: I'm like. Wait, why the hell didn't we review this earlier? You know what well, I mean? Well, we're but, we're
2: strategic podcasters. You know, we can't put pulp fiction in month one, or it'll end up like Gladiator. It's true. You know, it'll like, end up
0: like Gladiator. You, what? <laughs> you know, eight hours long. Oh, okay, and, nice and show, especially baby. with this movie, guys. Like, yeah, like
1: you cannot. I mean, there. I don't think you can run out of things to say about this movie.
0: Oh. I mean, yeah. I can't run out of things to say about Gladiator you, you, or you Superman too. too, for that matter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are doing Pulp Fiction today. Arguably, uh, pre-discussion here that we were having uh, the 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 Robs and and Peter and, I, the, Rob, Peter and, and Peter the Robs, Peter and the and the Robs,
0: the Madrigal and the Robs. Yes,
1: yeah, because I'm Royale Federick today, not 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 <laughs> Rob Frederick. Uh, we, we were arguing. I was arguably saying probably tarantino's masterpiece maybe second to inglorious bastards i don't know but we'll we'll discuss that today
2: i will we'll keep that going
0: no oh, well, yeah. we will have that discussion actually
2: we will um but i think it's very important gentlemen that i bust out my original vhs of pulp fiction Woo-hoo-hoo. for the back of the box moment I, um... did you did you find
0: it in your dungeon where you keep uh Mine. Oh no! This is <laughs> this is on the mantle, my friend. I only I have, had to, in case
2: of emergency, break glass. This one. There we
1: go. Oh wow! No, I only have the special edition DVD box set that came out. I don't. I'm not mm. as cool to have the VHS version. Yes,
2: this, so. mine. Um, everyone has different haircuts on the back of it. It's very weird. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, let's read it here. If anyone has been, has, for whatever reason, not seen this movie, I mean. Thank you for listening to the podcast, but here's what the movie is supposed to be about uh, via the back of the box. A spectacular mix of explosive action and wickedly funny humor. Critics and audiences worldwide hailed Pulp Fiction as the star-studded movie event of 1994. Writer-director Quentin Tarantino uh, delivers an unforgettable cast of characters, including a pair of low-rent hitmen... Their boss's sexy wife, okay, and a desperate last chance prize fighter in a wildly entertaining big screen adventure, now with bonus scenes not shown in theaters or in the original video release hosted by Quentin Tarantino. Wow, I have a very special VHS. <laughs> I was going to say what head.
1: VHS do you have because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was it wasn't
2: at the original
1: video release. I thought
2: it was, but I guess it was uh wave 2. Yeah.
1: Well, so, uh, guys, this film won the Palme d'Or at Cannes, arguably skyrocketed uh <laughs> Tarantino to the fame and heights that he has today because Reservoir Dogs was popular, but like literally pulp fiction was like the movie that catapulted him to like tremendous success right uh when did you guys first see this movie because it was back in 1994 i was a wee child back then my mom was not gonna let me go see this in the theater i don't know about you guys but uh i discovered it later in my teens uh when the dvd is starting to come out what did your
0: parents think about you watching it when you were in your teens
1: uh, at that point, I think my dad had already seen it and he really loved it. So I think I saw it when I was like, I want to say like 15, 16 years old. Uh-huh. It, it was it was playing on HBO, I believe. And then I liked it so much, I ran to Walmart and bought the DVD because I needed to know everything I could about gotcha. this movie.
0: Um, yeah. What about you, Rob?
2: I caught this, I believe, on HBO first when I was in middle school. Oh, wow. So it had, it had been out for a few years at this point. I will say that I saw this movie too young. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Introduced to things in this world that yeah. I didn't even know were possible or things human beings did. Right. Yeah. Um. Now. We can all guess the most extreme scene of that, but also just like the subtle nuances of like foot massages. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you not like, I I get it. I get what the conversation is saying, but I can't, I don't. I cannot comprehend it as a human being. I, I don't know. know
1: if you could have comprehended a lot of the dialogue in this yeah, movie because yeah. it goes that, to that's places. That's just an
2: example. Sure. Yeah.
1: Sure. You know? So yeah, no, so that's you, a really good point, Rob.
0: Yeah, you don't
2: like- But it know, became uh, a movie that I wanted to watch again once I felt like I was, quote, an adult. So your high school-
0: in, Use your tongue in the holies <laughs> of holies.
2: <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, uh, I, Peter. Oh, so, uh, I, Okay. I didn't see this movie until college. Wow. Right? Okay. I didn't really like, you know, I wasn't really interested in it. And I was like, Pulp Fiction, wasn't that, you know? And mm-hmm. Especially um,
1: when you got that Vincent Vega ponytail going on right now. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, have you ever dressed up as him for Halloween? <laughs> yes, I have. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. I did, you know, Zephanie. Yeah. He and I did the Vincent Vega. Oh, Vegas yeah, yeah, dude. I got I to see that picture. That's a great
1: idea. You guys yeah. would have been perfect. Yeah. 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 We were. Yeah.
0: Um, but that being said, you know, I, I saw the opening, you know, and uh, Jules has his big monologue. And uh, oh, by the way, you know, what I love about this movie is you uh, identify the characters by the character names, not by the actor names. That's how you know it's a good movie. Mm.
2: Um, but then, Although I will say there is one caveat to your rule in this movie, I think. And that's everyone being like, Fucking Travolta, yeah. you know, because yeah. he had such a comeback in this movie yeah. that you almost like have to say Travolta in this film. Well, there's, in a, there's a story that goes even though it's Vincent Vega is that. just yeah. as much, but yeah.
0: Well, anyway, but, sorry, uh, I didn't mean to cut you off. My confession is: I see the first scene, I see the opening, and then by the time it gets to Bruce Willis, I pass out. And I don't yeah. actually see this movie again for a while. Yeah, it's a long, it's a it's it's, a, a it's an movie. epic. It's an epic well, in it's terms of 235, like
2: 235, I think, it's, but like it feels
0: long. like five hours. Yes. And then Mia uh, Mrs. Wallace. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god, that scene was amazing. <laughs> oh no, I mean, I uh-huh. I feel
1: like all the stories here could be short films in and of themselves, long short films. Let's just say mm-hmm. uh, that oxymoron. But uh I will say, guys, this is not. A punch yourself in the face movie. This is a stab yourself in the heart with an adrenaline <laughs> shot movie because yeah. this is be by enormous. far one of the most unique. Like this is a one-of-a-kind movie. Yeah. I'm gonna tell you right now, there is no movie like that, unlike you know, like unless you compare another maybe Quentin Tarantino movie. And even then, they're vastly different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Spielberg once described. Citizen Kane is, you know, like a Citizen Kane is considered by the AFI the number one movie, the greatest movie of all time ever made, right? Like, I kind of agree with number one being once is enough to see it and that's it. You know what I mean? But yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, We're probably going to review that one of these days. Oh,
2: God, please. No, I will. Can we wait <laughs> till December? <laughs> um.
1: But. Spielberg says that it was like the dancing frog uh, that the Looney Tunes show. It it was a one of a kind movie for its time and what it accomplished and the way that it developed the character and the way it was told in this big. It was there was nothing like it for at the time. I firmly believe that's the same case with Pulp Fiction. This is a movie that is like if any other movie comes out like that, you'll always reference back to Pulp Fiction. I don't know if you guys agree. I want to see what you guys think.
0: Oh, I absolutely. Well, it is one of its uh, one of a kind. Even other Quentin Tarantino films do not compare to uh, to Pulp Fiction, in my opinion. All right, you got Kill Bill one and two. I think I, that's
2: fair. I think yeah. that's completely fair, and I think that speaks to a director and a writer. I mean, he's a brilliant, he sure, yeah, brilliant yeah, writer. Yeah, absolutely. This is, go, go, go. here's the thing, guys. I I I, I want to touch on this now because there's like some bigger actual movie stuff I want to get into in the second part of our show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people are like, oh, Quentin Tarantino, I remember the things of like, you know, he really just ripped off this, uh, you know, this foreign film here or this other film there or this film there. And it's quite frankly. True. uh, True. If you want to use the word ripped off. But another word that people like to use in film when they don't want to have a hot take is an homage to. Yes. You know? And say what you will about the guy. I'm sure he's not the most pleasant individual in the world, but he makes a damn good movie and knows sources to use that's like, holy shit, this film did it right, but no one knows about this film. Right. I have millions of dollars to make a film that a lot of people are going to see and I'm going to pay homage to something I like in a movie and it works and it has always worked for him. I don't, you know, I had, the only movie I haven't seen is Hateful Eight and it's only because it came out a time in my life where I was not able to afford the movies. Yes. I had bigger fish to fry at the time and now I realize that it's been chopped up into an actual series on netflix well the like extended the, the
1: extended cut yeah because it's about yeah it, it breaks up into 50 minute chunks because the first film is pretty long it's kind of a he looked at that one as like a stage play and it is an interesting take i saw the roadshow version in theaters and we can talk about that later but rob i was gonna ask you have you ever seen eight yeah. and a half
2: Okay. No, have that's you the, half, the
1: bull. Peter? The bull well, movie, right? No, Eight and a Half is a Fellini Italian film, right? Uh-huh. And my point uh-huh. is, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back to the point that you were jumping about sure, sure. Uh, Tarantino ripping stuff off, right? Because here's the thing: I firmly believe that art is inspiration driven. It's, it's, it's. You can't just wake up and be like, oh, I have all these fantastic ideas. Like art kind of spins off of something else. Like you have to have an influence somewhere that you jump off of. The dance scene that we see in the in the Jackrabbit Slims thing is actually taken from Eight and a Half, where there is a dance sequence in black and white. I don't know if it's twist music, but it's something similar because right? that was made in the '60s. Mm-hmm. And the lady in the in the thing has like the short Mia Wallace haircut. You know what I mean? And you can tell once you see that you'd be like, "Oh, that's where Tarantino took that from." And there's one shot that's literally the same exact shot as Eight and a Half, but everything else about the dance sequence. Is Tarantino's own twist, and like you said, it's an mm-hmm. homage. It's something that he's taking from a film that inspired him growing up. Because this guy was a video clerk before he became a fucking director. Well,
2: and is it isn't it the sort of thing where, like, even within movies that like Tarantino makes, like the the dude is his movies live in a movie universe. So, yes. like, hasn't he been quoted to say something like, "And Peter, you'll like this." Uh, Kill Bill is a movie that they would go see. In Pulp Fiction, yeah. Or like except that. It, I've
1: heard that Kill, Kill Bill was sort of born when they made Pulp Fiction. That Fox Force Five thing was kind of the beginnings yes, of yes, it, and yes. then Uma and, and Tarantino were talking about but, it. Like, then the idea yes. is
2: that sort of thing is tied is into. The, yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he talks
1: cool. about all his movies how somehow being connected.
2: Yeah! Wow. Well, yeah, like uh,
0: Reservoir Dogs. Uh, uh, what, what's his name is uh, Vincent Vega's brother.
1: Oh, Tim Roth's character
0: yeah. or- Not uh, No, character. Uh,
1: Vic yep. Vega. Oh, Vic, Vic Vega. Vega, that's right. That's right, yeah. Yeah. And he was in Amsterdam when that yeah. diamond heist went down and then he came, came yep. back. But the thing about it is that yeah. you take that dance sequence, right? You say, oh, that's from eight and a half. Yeah, dude, but he structured a whole movie and characters that were all unique that just led to a moment where they do a twist scene- that nods to an homage to a completely different movie, man, because eight and a half is a mind fuck, by the way. So, yeah, and just to be clear, artistic, I was thinking weird of the movie.
2: uh yeah. Uh, and just to be clear, I was thinking of the uh not Jason Priestley. Who was the other guy in nine oh two one oh uh the other cool guy?
1: Oh uh, uh Matt Dylan Dill- uh, no, uh, Dil- uh Dylan He played it, Dylan. It, it, yeah, it was um uh,
2: Luke Perry. Luke Perry. Was in a movie called Eight Seconds about uh, being bucked off a, a bronco, and uh, that is definitely not the movie that hmm. Quentin Tarantino was giving an homage to. <laughs> well, but he put him—he put
1: him in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, by the Hell
2: way. Y- he yes, he yes. did, which yes. we will talk about, I think, a little bit further in today's episode. Yes. But uh, Peter, before we go to break, did you have any other like opening thoughts about uh, hmm. first time you watched it?
0: Well, one of the things that jumped out to me was it was um, it was out of sequence. You
2: yes, because yeah, I want to yeah. talk about that. Yeah, too. I wanna, like, and I yeah. want to
0: get into it was non-linear, so that kind of threw me off a little bit. Because then, you know, spoiler alert, alert everybody: Vincent Vega dies in the middle of the movie. Yeah. But right. Then it goes to like a a, a sequence that happens before that sequence. Yeah, but after the, the timeline's
2: all screwed up.
0: Yeah, exactly. exactly. Like the entire timeline is like worse than an Avengers movie. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you
2: look
1: at a character that you actually really like, you yeah. see him get and, killed and, and then, then you revisit him again.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then you're like, wow, you know, you, you know what, in other words, what, as far as that's concerned, Nobody is safe in a Quentin Tarantino movie. It's almost like Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. wow. It's like there's no lead um, actor. It's like, oh, Brad Pitt could have died in Inglorious Bastards. You know what I mean? Yeah.
2: Which it, so- and I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have blinked. You yeah. know what I mean? You You're just kind like, of oh. expect to not get too attached to any of these characters. Exactly. Um, now, let yeah, let's it. talk about that. So let's take a quick break, and when we come back, I want to talk about this timeline stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, we got we got thoughts to say.
2: We're back. It's Magical at the Movies talking Pulp Fiction. Peter. Yes. You, you were like, hey, wait a second. I'd like my movies to go from A to B and sometimes C on the weekends. Yes. But this movie's going.
0: QRS. T U V W Z Y. What?
2: No. M-O-N. Uh,
0: well, guys,
2: <laughs> I've been Jason? listening. <inaudible> yeah, Rob, come on, Nick. Join uh, us.
1: <laughs> I've been listening to probably eight hours worth of Tarantino interviews in my spare time. Just yeah. like, you know, wow. from like him talking to Charlie Rose, which by the way, you guys gotta look at those interviews. They're phenomenal. Like I, the, the, bottom line is the guy's brilliant, like brilliant mind the way he thinks. And he's and he says about the nonlinear editing where he says. 70% of the time, a movie works and a story works in a linear structure, right? Yeah. But that 20 to 25, 35% or so, he says, works better sometimes when you break the nonlinear thing because you revisit something that makes a, more, a, a stronger impact in the story as opposed to if you went through it linearly, right? Like the robbery at the beginning of the cafe ending at the end of the movie, tying it all up together to this whole thing. You wouldn't have been able to get that with a linear story. So what are your what are your guys' takes on that? Because I actually love this nonlinear storytelling in this movie.
0: I mean, sure. Yeah. I go ahead, Peter. It has to be the right director. It has to be, it has to be someone like Quentin Tarantino to pull something like this off because I do feel that there are some directors out there that would not be able to pull off a non-linear type story would you be able to pull this off it it really depends man it, it's the same thing with flashbacks you know like flashbacks are like when See, i hate flashbacks I, i've always it, like yeah I, i've always everything is fine like
2: the, when it's done right you know I mean, what i mean yeah. and that's the easiest thing but like but not everyone can me, do it it's i the only it's thing a the gimmick, other
0: guy. It, to me it's a gimmick it to introduce stuff that that You might not – that's why I really love the original Star Wars movies. There were no flashbacks. You didn't have to, like, be told about something that happened previously. You just go with the story. You progress
1: with the story. Well, that's the thing with flashbacks and nonlinear editing. As long as it moves the story forward, as opposed to back – Like, a lot of people use flashbacks and nonlinear editing because they're like, oh, look at my artistic take. That's not what it really is, man. If you look at it, the story works from that standpoint. The only Mm -hmm. other director, in my opinion, guys, and you can disagree or agree – that can pull this off as Christopher Nolan.
0: Okay, well, yeah, I, I, think you're, I think you're referring to Dunkirk, right?
1: No, 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 no. Batman Begins, Memento.
0: Wait, Batman mm-hmm. Begins was linear.
1: No, it breaks the storyline and it, goes back into Bruce Wayne's younger life. Oh, Remember, okay. it starts with
2: him in prison. Yeah, well,
0: see, I didn't mind that because he wasn't like, uh, he wasn't talking about, oh, this is what happens. But see there,
2: me. this is the rule that is the thing, Peter, is that like when it can be done in a way that it's not like okay. thrown at all Right. right. Yeah, Look, I mean, you like,
1: thought it was linear, it. but Batman Begins really starts with him in prison, then starts with his training. And then it goes back to show what happened all the way up to leading to the beginning of and the what, movie.
2: And I think that like what you're saying, really, Peter, and I don't want to
0: put words in your mouth. Oh, it's and like, the prestige too. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. Well, okay. Yeah, yeah.
2: The prestige. Yeah, me snapping my fingers and making a hand gesture. <laughs>
0: Uh, the prestige of this
2: conversation is that uh, don't show me the prestige or whatever right. the steps are, you know? Look at Let you. Let me just get there. Um, now, what I also on top of this, and I'm glad you brought up Memento because around the same time that I got like a special edition Memento DVD, I got the special edition. The well, fiction DVD, the one you have. Yeah. <laughs> no, the one Rob has. Um,
1: and I actually have your copy. It's on my shelf. It's, oh, I stole okay. it from you. Thanks. Yeah.
2: I was wondering where that was. <laughs> um, anyway, the uh, DVD Easter eggs were huge at the time. Yeah. And one of the DVD Easter eggs on Memento was you can watch the movie in chronological order. And boy, sure, that cleared some story up for me. But did I enjoy watching the movie the same way? And then when you look at that with Pulp Fiction, it's like, what do you have with Pulp Fiction? You have three of the, and maybe four, of the most cliche uh, eighth grade English level stories. Yeah. You know, Boxer. Uh, takes a told to throw the fly right. fight but doesn't you know yep. you've got take the boss's wife out right and you've got what uh hit man who finds god or you know the right right all three very basic stories and although these characters serve and the writing is phenomenal yes it was that extra what my friend graham likes to say down in texas it's the extra habanero pepper I throw in my chili to make it win the contest. Right. You know, it's his way of presenting what he knew was written well. Right. Is what then took it over the top. And I... Right. Because, like, if someone told me, take this very basic story at, I don't know, when he started writing this, what, 22?
1: Like, I think it was, if, like, twenty twenty four when you started writing the first concept, which was the Mia no, Wallace story. I was...
2: I was, I was, I was getting drunk at a bar and couldn't write a page to graduate college. You know and what I mean? He didn't like, even
1: graduate high school.
2: He quit yeah, like, high school, guys. Wow. Like, like, that is something that we're like. I had no focus. He quit high school and had focus. I like movies. I'm doing movies, but not you know? even and that, guys. It's,
1: his, his fucking use of words is like a a damn scholar like and he didn't yeah. even graduate high school like well, that's huh. ridiculous
2: to me <laughs> like, and well let's, no let's, uh, I mean let's you can put it out there words, no go- but <laughs> no Google
1: yeah but exactly pre-computer no age Internet. this guy like if you hear Tarantino yeah he can learn in words but He's an articulate motherfucker.
0: Yeah.
2: Like, if someone wants to go read a script and learn how to be a screenwriter now, they can go to Drew's Scriptorama right, or whatever the site right, is now right. and read hundreds and hundreds of scripts and be like, oh, I'm going to – this is what they exactly. do here. Interesting. Exactly. I, look at me. In the, in the, I'm just taking things from my example. When I'm 22, yes, there was internet, but I still didn't know how to do
1: right. that stuff. Well, you know? I, I think it's an interesting point that you bring that up because another reason why I kind of chose Pulp Fiction for today is because… Our podcast is based on, really, a love for movies and where we review movies. Sure. And do, Tarantino is the perfect director to fit that description, because Tarantino, while he is a stylistic director and it may, you know, rub some people the wrong way or not, I feel like he's one of the most influential f- film directors because he's just a wealth. Like you know, this dude has a passion for cinema and film. Like this is every movie that he makes is a celebration of his of, of film, especially the latest one, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That is a, a complete love letter to Hollywood, especially in the sixties. But was, yeah,
0: that but, was an, that was an awesome film.
1: It was amazing. But yeah, he man. is a guy that has. A passion for movies and all he did was watch movies he worked at a video store like his passion was movies 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 and now you know he's making them and i i think that has a lot to say about honing in on your craft and really understanding a medium which is something that he does and non-linearly going back to the homage thing that's where you know. I feel like he interjects that love of cinema. He puts in what he loves and respects and inspires him into his movies and celebrates it in a big way. That's my my take on Tarantino. Well,
0: what's your take yeah, on Pulp Fiction? I, uh, d- uh,
1: listen, man, Pulp <laughs> Fiction is like I said earlier. There are two movies that stand out for me in Tarantino's career that are his absolute best. It's Pulp Fiction and Inglorious Bastards. And every time I see them. I always struggle with which one is better than the other.
0: Well, okay, so because I'm going to continue on this because I do love pulp fiction. Don't get me wrong. Yes, you know what I mean. But Quentin Tarantino's not my director. I got to go see his film. My, yeah. That, as far as directors go, you you know Stanley Kubrick, my favorite, and mm. then of course now I I have to go see. Christopher Nolan's work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not so much, you know, Quentin Tarantino. Okay. I do respect him. I do enjoy his movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, you know, like I was saying, sometimes I get lost in the narrative because it's so like this and that, you know what I mean? Uh, with Christopher Nolan, I can understand where he's going with it because it- tenant. Tenet. It, <clears throat> Okay. <laughs> all, right, all right. We're gonna have to. Wait, let, me I'm let me just. I think Christopher that Christopher Nolan fan that that movie just literally pisses we'll, we'll me off. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll I get think. There.
2: I think. I think Peter likes getting his mind blown. Yes. Uh, the Christopher because Nolan style. Is amazing. Yeah, whereas, is amazing. Yeah. You don't really walk away with your mind blown. Like, there's no big mystery with most Quentin Tarantino movies. There's just a good story. Yeah. And I, although I, there I might be. That. Whereas like he uses techniques that are sometimes similar to Christopher Nolan, Christopher Nolan took that Chekhov's gun off the wall and is just, Shooting skeet all over the place, yeah. um, <laughs> no, but it is the, crazy. But I, I also think. But, but I understand where you're coming from, Peter. That's yes, all. Yes, I mean.
0: yes, Rob. Uh, before I go back to Rob, yeah. uh, Federic, Ro- Rob Royale,
1: <laughs> Royale, Royale, um, Federic, Royale,
0: Federic, uh, Schulte. What is your take on turn Because you know, like, like I said, with me. I respect him. I'll enjoy his work, but I'm not rushing out the door to see the next Quentin Tarantino movie. Yeah, yeah. You know, I do enjoy them, though. That's not that's not to say that I don't. It's just like Kill Bill, for instance, or 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 you know, Pulp Fiction. It's like all over the place to me. Well, What's your take?
2: I literally just thought this while you were explaining how it you interact with it, and it's really kind of freaking me out. But we're gonna no, go no. with this. Do okay, it. Guys? I talked earlier about how I saw the movie before I should have seen the movie. But yeah. then once I did see it as more of an adult, I felt adult. Like I was starting to piece these things together. Yeah, yeah. Like when I saw Pulp Fiction again, maybe five or 10 years later, I understood more of it. When I watched it for this episode or last year when I showed it to someone for the first time, you know, I got it again. But really, if we're looking at Tarantino as a director, I feel like I kind of grew up with Tarantino not just physically like he did a movie when I was starting to go to movies yes but I feel like what Tarantino has had to do to deal with not let me take that again all the things that have happened to Tarantino that have changed or modified or given him views on how to make a movie one way or another as he has grown with his craft I feel like can accurately represent certain things in my lifetime too. And maybe Mm. it's just because me as a movie viewer. So like, I see Pulp Fiction, I feel like I'm an adult. And then I go back and I'm going to see the first one. And I was like, oh, I can pick this thing apart. I can see Reservoir Dogs, why this isn't quite Pulp Fiction, but how Pulp Fiction comes about. And then Jackie Brown, I was like, oh, this is the first director where I'm like, this director made this movie. I like this Did movie. He I need Jackie to see Brown.
0: Yeah,
1: he directed Jackie Brown, yeah. but that was the first movie that he based off uh, of a novel, by the way. Because like, yeah. that wasn't yep. his original yep. movie. Yep. And arguably, it's his weakest, in my opinion. Are like, you
0: kidding me? I liked it. Really? I, I love Jackie Brown.
2: I think it's great. Um, I think it's great.
1: I just think it's, I don't, I think all of Tarantino's movies are great. I just feel like if I was going to rate them, I'd put Jackie no Brown. No wonder at the I the like bottom.
0: Jackie Brown. <laughs> I, I would probably <laughs> it's put, it's more of a narrative, it's hate, more linear. I'd
2: put natural born killers. Further down, but that one—that um, one's—he didn't even direct. He just wrote. But now that one's him writing, but not direct. Correct. Same so with so Dust Till Dawn, directing but not writing. Right. Well, he acted oh. in Dust
1: Till Dawn, and he wrote it too. Yeah. 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 So I
2: didn't know he wrote from Dust Till Dawn. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Didn't Robert? Did he write that with Robert Rodriguez? No. He. I mean, he really developed
1: matter. kind of the story, but they, he wrote yeah. that one, and then Robert directed it. And then the other movie that he wrote, uh, which was his big first kind of break, was True Romance.
2: That's <gasps> that's good. Good Yeah. Yeah. Gary Oldman. So, Just to Uh, really just trim my stuff down when I was a little bit more rebellious and crazy.
0: Gary Oldman is in that movie. It's White Boy Day. Is that the movie?
1: Dennis Hopper's and the one with like Hopper. Sicilians are yeah, the N word yeah, yeah, yeah. and all that stuff. And that's then, Dennis Hopper, yeah. yeah. And
0: then and then you got and then you got a uh, Gary Oldman. Is the, I believe so? Yeah, with yeah, the yeah. dreadlocks? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah that's Gary Oldman. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, wait a minute. I
1: was like, why? <laughs> like, I was thinking Leon the Professional when you were no, saying no, that. I was no, like, wait no, a minute. No no, 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 we're not thinking the same movie. Gary but, Oldman, no, yes, yes, the yes.
2: dreadlocks.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 True Romance. Yes, yes. Long story short. Yes, when I was wild,
2: Kill Bill came out. Um. And then I started to mature. And then mature. Uh, uh uh once upon a time in Hollywood came out and I was like, Oh god, let me look back it's on my past so and what have I yeah. done? So uh.
1: but my thing about Tarantino is like I grew up with Tarantino going, like, oh yeah, you know, his movies could be perceived as boring. So, I mean, here's the thing. I thought I would be bored actually I'll rate one lower than Jackie Brown which is death proof. I actually really didn't like death proof because yeah. it just was I like a build up to something that I just felt was the
2: dialogue House in that was a one was, weird experience in general. It, it was, yeah. and we we'll
1: have a guest at some point that produced if one that, of those like, movies. Uh, and uh, it, I
2: don't it, think it was a bad movie-going experience, but it was more of an experience than it was a
0: film. Yes, you know? but going I back wish to those, that movie, had Hahn and Clive Owen, so oh I would never have seen God, it. God, yeah.
2: <laughs> so no, you would see it, and then you would say you wished you hadn't seen it. Right. <laughs> so here's the thing, right? So with Tarantino, it was like when
1: I was growing up or whatever, like I just thought he was sort of an acquired taste, right? Sure. As I've grown as a filmmaker and really listened to his voice and like like paid attention to his interviews and analyzed his movies and breaking down. Like I really start to realize that this dude was is is far more brilliant than I actually thought, because Mm. I start to really look at the intent behind his his scripts and the intent behind his stories and the way that he structures things and the way that he develops characters, which is something that we have to talk about. It's something that I've never seen in any other director yes other directors have their own way and I'm more of a visual guy I like action I like like tar- you don't go see a Tarantino movie for the action like even Kill Bill doesn't really have that much action involved in it until like the very end of volume yeah. one volume two barely has any action in it you know That's true But the story developing of characters and the rhythm of his dialogue, which is like these characters could be talking about absolutely nothing like in the diner scene, but it just Mm -hmm. starts to take you somewhere and you just can't help but pay attention. Like what's a conversation about a $5 shake, but it's shedding character every step of the way. And then eventually it takes you to these big setups that, uh, sorry, these big payoffs that were set up beforehand, you know, Uh throughout this slice of life that he's given you and it just seems so vastly entertaining to me, like the story of the watch, for example.
0: Yeah, and the watch, like yeah, exactly. <clears throat> the watch comes back to play a huge role. Huge in, uh, Butch's uh, 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 story.
1: But tell me that the first time you saw that, you're like, "Where is this going?" Yeah. Yeah. You, true. It, you were glued to the story, but like, you're like, yeah. "Where does it? Where? Like, what?
0: What does this I have to do with anything?" The story because of the storyteller. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, Christopher Walken really knows how to tell a good story in the in the Walken boys up, up <laughs> yeah. his ass. Yeah,
2: God, I want to know how many takes that scene was though. That was just—I don't think he cuts. Like maybe
1: yeah. like once to see Butch's reaction as a kid. Yeah, or something. you see
2: it. Yeah, you only see it one cut. So like, God. Anyway, yeah. Hey, so here's a question. I think we, you know, we're gonna save. Our favorite you know scenes? What? We should do our favorite scenes. Then we'll go to break. Then sure, I'll ask my question before we go break. to final. Now, this will be much better after the break. So, <laughs> let's, you got a scene,
0: Peter, you want to talk about? Uh, okay. So, my favorite scene, of course, is the opening with Jules and Vincent Vega. And this might sound cliche mm-hmm. because that's probably everybody's favorite scene. But on top of all that, what's in the box? Hmm. What is in the box? Like everyone always asks that question. I've read articles about Paul. There's urban been legends the, the, about the, it. Yeah, too. it's like is, is it his soul? Is, Marcellus is it, is it Marcellus's soul. soul? Is it his, it's gold? What is it? What's in there? You know? Yeah. And then it cuts to Marcellus with the with the bandaid um, um, on the back of his neck.
1: And everybody's like, "That's where his soul got taken out." But yeah. that's not. What it what really was intended
2: like that? What, that was yeah. I heard that in school. That was like the rumors. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what
1: is it? Though? It's basically Ving Rhames had a big scar on his back and he didn't want it to get seen. And they put a bandaid on it. And Tarantino was like, "Oh, I like that for the character. It creates an element of just not looking at the back of his head. It makes you question why. And that's why he put it in there. And
0: that's why he ended up with the Gimp.
1: The the what is it? The, gimp the bandaid? People. Oh.
0: No, no, because he's not watching his back, he's just going full forward like a oh, like yeah, a bull. Yeah, yeah. Oh, when he gets oh, hit with the car. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, yeah, he gets run over by the car right, and then right. he uh and then he starts chasing Butch. Yeah. Ends up with the well, village people or yeah, those. Was... You know
2: I gotta say, someone once told me, like, you can debate the merits of who is the best director, or what is the best movie, or why a movie is great. But after you see Pulp Fiction more often than not, you will be picking out a sweater in your closet and the, the gimp will come into oh, your Jesus. head yeah. and you'll just be like, good God, what is this happening? Right. And has that ever happened from, <laughs> I, mean, another, I mean, I'm sure it has, but you know what I mean? Like- yeah. Only certain movies and certain scenes will last with you like that. By the way, Easter And not just egg. because of that, other scenes too. Supposedly. Well, no, yeah, yeah,
0: he doesn't watch his back and like, yeah, he, it, it doesn't turn out good for him. Well, yeah. yeah. And going back to what you said, what's in the box, it's it's just a MacGuffin. It's not supposed to
1: have, it's whatever the audience decides. Tarantino may said, I think at one point in the interview, he knows what's in there, but he's never going to tell anybody. Right He may or so may you're not a so vain
2: situation,
1: you know, but but it, but it at the point, it's like but it doesn't matter. like that's not what the story's about. It's about these characters and surrounding this whole you know hitman thing or whatever like well, this briefcase just happens to be the reason why these characters are coming together, and the characters are far more interesting than what's in the case. that's that's what Tarantino has said. uh, the Easter egg, I was gonna say was so going back, apparently, he ties it together, where he says that that katana that butch grabs. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be a Hattori Hanzo sword. Really? Which is, which
0: is used by uh, Kill Bill. Well, it's Bill. from the guy
1: who makes ah, the bride's sure. sword. It's How like would it's those these underground legendary-
0: dwellers, like the underground dwellers that, that get them
1: well, remember them. that uh, like Bill's brother pawns one off. He so it says he sold it, but he didn't. You know, he kept it or whatever. Like he says that mm. maybe at some point he pawned off like some other one or like or like like that somebody eventually just pawned off a Tori Hanzo sword without knowing it.
0: Wow, I mean so, that's the
1: rumor. That's the rumor. But but so they sure. pawned it off. To it makes the it a little bit more people. fun.
0: And uh, <laughs> by the way. Going back to the underground, like with these these weird underground dwellers, Zed. huh? Zed's dead. Zed, <laughs> what is what the hell was that? What was that? And 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 they keep a person locked up in a coffin or some shit.
1: I mean, they're freaky, weird, you know, sex the one dudes. What?
0: Here's the thing:
2: a lot of people somehow don't also think that the gimp one hundred percent wants to be the gimp in this situation right right you know what i you mean He could have so been one just, that they captured yeah but like likes it you know what i mean or like no one ever takes or but they, they're they brainwashing themselves in this situation yeah, yeah, of yeah, underground yeah. shit like this yeah, yeah what i'm saying is, like it's always like oh no they must have captured him and he's doing this and it's like no these are three fucking yeah. weirdo Dudes. freaks yeah that like are into this yep and yep Wow, but of course it's always tied exactly to the Simpsons episode that makes fun of this scene to me. So I always just laugh <laughs> at certain parts of it too. But I
1: think I think the point is to illustrate like like you said there's some three freaks. Yeah. It's supposed to be humor also cuz they just pull this sure. dude out of a box and he's like like a yeah. dog or something. They just hang him there. It's so funny. Yes.
0: But it's Horrible.
2: so Horribly traumatically creepy, exactly. Like, that's the yeah, thing, see, and I think that's old, what he's
0: setting up. These exactly. guys yeah, were not yeah. concerned at all if uh, the, these three individuals were not concerned at all, like if, if uh Butch and Marcellus got free, that they're gonna mess their world up. I don't think they knew I, they would my get free, God. you know. I think that I don't they,
2: think. You go, Rob.
1: No, no, no! I just think that they didn't expect. Like, I feel like they were like, "We trapped these guys." They said a spider caught someone in the web. That's my thing.
2: Yeah, and plus, one of them's a cop. You know, no, no, so no, he's security not a guard, cop. security guard, security guard. Oh, is he a security? Yeah, guard? he's just okay. security. Guard. That's,
0: That's like right. a cop, yeah. a security guard.
1: But, but, like to the point, it's again the title of the movie is Pulp Fiction, and there's a description of the movie at the beginning. Like, what is fiction? What is pulp? And If you look at it, like it does feel like something that would be out of a dark comic book type of
2: thing, which yeah. is yeah. so
1: I feel like that's the world that he's presenting to Butch. us, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, you
2: know, you watch Preacher or Read Preacher, or Transmetropolitan, or any of those, like Judge Dredd, right? You know, right, you know, like, right, 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 like that sort of pulp comic, right. dark worlds, you know, before the comics code sort of thing, right? But I gotta say, Butch. Choosing a weapon <laughs> yes, might be so the funniest <laughs> scene in the entire movie, oh and I God, think I gotta awesome. put that as mine. Oh. Well,
0: so, no. well, taking the chainsaw, they would have heard you coming. You know, I just <laughs> love
2: how he just keeps
1: looking, and then he like is mesmerized yeah. by the katana, and it's just but, yeah.
0: But that's the kind of buildup
1: I'm talking about that Tarantino does so well. He takes you somewhere with this, you know, and then it's like, oh man, this is gonna be great, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, are we taking a break and talking about? For yeah, let's, scenes? let's let's
2: let's. Let's take a quick. Well, that was my favorite scene.
1: But, oh,
0: um, wait, wait, wait. I'll see.
1: I got one that I just have to tell. Uh, yeah, after let's wait,
0: the break. Do it, then let's
2: take a break. Okay, okay. whose
0: favorite? Did we already discuss favorite scenes? No, we were in it. My but, favorite but scene, we jumped into I thought that
2: one of the favorite scenes was uh, the choosing of the weapon. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. What about you?
1: So I really love the twist scene. I think that Jackrabbit Slim's whole sequence, to me, is probably my my most favorite because of the conversation and the dialogue that leads to this yeah. twist. The, w- you, wait, uh, in,
0: the, uh, in the...
1: In Jack the, Rabbit Slim's, the, the, the diner, yeah. that when they're at, and they're talking about the uncomfortable um, silences.
2: Don't you hate that? Hate what? Uncomfortable silences. Why do you feel it's necessary to yak about bullshit in order to be comfortable? I
1: don't know. That's a good question.
2: That's when you know you found somebody really special. You can just shut the fuck up for a minute, comfortably share silence.
0: Well, I don't think we're quite there yet, but don't feel bad. We just met each other. You notice that when he's talking to to her about the foot massage and Marcellus threw someone over the... You notice the cuts in that scene are like, you know, they're engaged. So it's really, really close up. And then when they get disengaged, it's It's like over the soldier. Mm -hmm. you, You guys notice that? Yeah, I was explaining that to uh uh, the Jude because he loves this movie. Yeah, I know it's great. So I was explaining it to him. Like he saw that he was watching that scene with me. I was like, "Did you see the way he cut this whole scene together?" Yeah, I was like, "This is like it's filmmaking." At its finest, you know what I mean? It's, it's,
1: it's my favorite scene because of that dialogue and also because we've set up the story of the foot massage and the throwing out the window mm. from earlier in the movie and it's paying off at that point. Yeah. And it pays off to me in a huge way, even though it's two people just talking in a restaurant, yeah. which is usually the most boring setting you could ever think about. And he makes it interesting.
2: Damn. Um, my Dinner with Andre. <laughs> <laughs> Alright we're going to take a break We'll be right back Oh man Magical the Movies Robin Rob Pulp Fiction Quentin Tarantino We're back We're going we're gonna to finish this puppy off gents And here's what I wanted to ask you guys because we're going to say our final thoughts here soon. Mm. But say there is someone in your life that you care about who has never seen a Quentin Tarantino movie, or not enough that they like, sat down and watched like It was on at a party, or this, or that, or the other. Um, and they're willing to take the ride, and they know that there's going to be strong scenes. But you know that maybe they've got some sensibilities. Do you show them Pulp Fiction first? Or do you show them something else first and then be like, but this is what everyone calls the magnum opus or whatever? Because I hate to like plant a seed in someone's head before something. Yeah. But then it's also like, do you show them reservoir dogs before you show them Pulp Fiction?
1: (sighs) No, I actually was in this kind of experiment. So my girlfriend had never really seen a Tarantino film before. And we sat and watched Pulp Fiction together about a week ago, which is what drove Mm -hmm. me to choose it for this week's episode. Uh, because she had never seen it and and my girlfriend's not screaming to go see a tarantino film like she's th- sure it's not yeah. her type of movie most aren't right, but <laughs> when she saw it, she was thoroughly engaged in the story and the characters, and she was like, that was great. I fucking loved it. You know what I mean? And, yep. and I would, and, and if, if I showed this her this, the cover, she would never be like, Oh yeah, that's a movie that I would love to go see.
0: No. <laughs> so yeah, with just Uma Thurman on a bed. Well, no, no,
1: just the overall, if I gave her the rundown of the movie and stuff like that. And I was like, Hey, this He's movie, it's not jumping off the shelf. Exactly. She won't be like, if we had other choice, she'd be like, another thing. But because I was like, we're just going to watch this and I'm not going to tell you anything about it. And we sat through it. She was like, in fact, we, she had to go home and she saw, and then she was like, Hey, babe, just. Please, like, let's finish that movie when I get back. And I was like, okay, yeah. and we did, and she like, she loved it. So uh, yeah, I would That's say a good yes. Feeling man, I would say yes. Yeah.
2: Peter, are you on that same page of like showing Pulp Fiction first? If someone's not, I mean, uh, Tarantino.
0: Yeah, because I'm like I'm going through all Tarantino movies that I'm like you know that because I've seen all of them. Um, mm-hmm. Like you He's have seen like all. yeah you have the the most recent one once Upon a time in Hollywood it gets so really bloody it gets really bloody though yeah it's really good but it gets bloody uh so some people might not like the you know some some people oh, might not oh. have that sensibilities for you know
2: yeah yeah that yeah.
0: type of uh But don't see, you find
2: yeah. yourself cheering Maybe the least bloody though
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of like what cuz like, like glorious all Blast all bastards would know um kill bill definitely not yeah <laughs> mm. <laughs> I would say Pulp Fiction. Yeah, you, this is the one you want to lead off with, in my opinion. Reservoir Dogs, there's a torture scene in there and it gets really bad.
2: <laughs> I'd say Jackie Brown, if you want to be like, okay, do you want to know this director and what they can do? Or is this like, a do you want to know something that was soup to nuts? What they did. Like, Because yeah. you could ease, I think you could ease someone in that might be a little weary with a Jackie Brown because it's crime intrigue, it's yeah. heist. There's a little violence, there's sex, there's drugs and stuff, but it's not like uh, everyone's getting shot up everywhere. Michael Keaton's in that um, one, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro, um, which is great in it. But for yeah. me,
1: it's like Jackie Brown, to me personally, it's just like. Yeah, he wrote it based, but it was based on a book. Like to me, it's like, it wasn't truly original Tarantino. Like for me, it's like, well, the reason also why I would show Pulp Fiction is the first thing. If I, if I could show one movie to anyone that was like, all right, you only have one of his nine movies to show somebody to get who Tarantino is. I feel like Pulp Fiction is the one thing. I think for you me. have to do Pulp Fiction. You have now. to because it just yeah. showcases everything that's great about that director in that movie. Like you know.
2: And unfortunately, who he I don't. Is. And you say, you know, "Inglorious Bastards, and I also very much enjoy that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, unlike some, you know, 80-year-old people, I like how it ends. Oh, yeah. Me too. I think it is, we get to do things in movies that we don't get to do in real life. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Um, And that is a perfect example of that. But the problem with Pulp Fiction is that it's so good, you're always thinking of Pulp Fiction when you watch his other movies. That's true. Uh, uh, you, you know, know what? It, and,
1: you hit it right on the money, man. That's
2: yeah, true. Uh, and But I will say this. I didn't think about Pulp Fiction while watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood until after I watched the movie. I, I can agree
1: with you on that. Because I yeah. I
2: felt... Once upon a time in Hollywood,
1: for me, I can tell it's a Tarantino movie, but it's so vastly different in, the, it, even though it has a lot of the same styles and themes and stuff like that. It's weird. When I watch it, I'm like, damn, this really feels separate from all of his other work. Inglorious Bastards did that to me too. And the only reason why I would argue sure. that it would be sl- like, it's just, it's always neck and neck with me for Pulp Fiction because it's just so epic and just, I mean, look—he took a World War II story and made something so fucking brilliant out of that. And that opening sh- sequence—that—that that, you know, underground milk farm. Yep, yep. I don't know any other scene that's made me cringe with more suspense than that scene. Like, mm. it's just revoir, so good.
2: Shoshana. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so good, man.
1: So so yeah, but I—you I, hit it on the money, man. Like you always think of yeah, it, you always measure it up to Pulp Fiction. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it's wow. because isn't uh, What's Upon a Time in Hollywood" more of a linear film?
1: It it's his lightest film minus the ending.
0: No, but I mean like more linear. Oh, like linear, linear like
2: it, it's kind of a straightforward. Except yeah. for there's like a couple of spots right in the middle. One I'm thinking One of, of uh, particularly is Brad Pitt fixing the telephone antenna. And it does like a whole like 20 or 30 minute flashback, which involves the Bruce Lee fight. Yeah, exactly. And like all that sort gotcha. of things. And then so it just cuts to him like smiling. More- <laughs> well, that, that's yeah, more of a so flashback.
0: Good. That's not like, you know, like he cuts his story. But up. if
2: we're tying it back to our conversation at the beginning of this episode, if it's not linear, it's anything under the sun. Yeah. Right? like Batman so, Begins, like we just, i yeah, so this, this has podcast to elements, but it's not a story that's strategically told out of order. Yeah. Were you
0: nonlinear on this podcast today?
2: Yeah, sort of. Oh.
0: Um, but like the <laughs> wow. Hateful Eight is linear. Like you linear. did the, you did the review, the the back of the box before we did the, uh, yeah, the punch yourself in the face. <laughs> yeah. But the reason why,
1: and, and you know what, now that we mentioned this and I want to make, make this little point is if you guys watch the Hateful Eight, there's a sequence there where Samuel L. Jackson's talking to Bruce Stern's character and, and, He talks about something about his son and it ties into, I think the reason why also Tarantino works so well with nonlinear stuff is because he really is a master of setups and payoffs, which Mm. is something that's very Mm. important. In that movie, The Hateful Eight is linear, completely linear, but it revisits back at one point leading up to the point that we are in the story now right it does this twice once with like a small uh, section with bruce and then at the end there's like a whole sequence that ties into before all these characters arrived at the haberdashery and what happened before but the reason is that you've built all this character story driven up to this point and then it's like well here's what really happened before all this that's gonna fucking lead to this bomb exploding at the end you know what i mean like and i think that Tarantino does that masterfully with, like, the Bruce Lee sequence with, you know, Pulp Fiction, obviously, throughout the whole damn movie. Uh, Hateful Eight, he does it. You guys should watch that. Um, So, yeah. And, and, you know, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with the, yeah. like Django. Django, I believe he does that a few times when he talks about Brumhilda's character, that she was, like, a German, African-American woman or a black woman that, like, ends up in the Candyland or whatever. I, Mm -hmm. I think he does that a little bit. But it's because it's like, hey, this is all this story thing. And he get take makes you go one way. And then he's like, but then all of this is happening, which ties into all of this. Like he just he's a master at that, yeah. in my opinion.
2: Shout out to my friend Amber, who produces Talk to Your Mom podcast, who was a background extra in Django. Oh wow. Oh, wow. So- <laughs> cool. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh anyway, guys. Rob, you said you hit the money on the head, or you hit, hit the, the nail head. on the head. Yes, you are right on the money. Yes, <laughs> but, but we non-lineared it, freaking, so we turned it yes, on. Hit exactly. the money on the head. You, you know what got mean? Money right? like, cross on your the head and dot your T's. Hit,
0: there you go. Yeah. I dot your
2: lowercase j. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, stop. All right. Uh, yes god oh my god we need to just Wayne's world it one day cause you know I'm, I'm bringing it up because Mike Excellent. Myers was in Glorious Bastards we're talking about Pulp Fiction or yeah. whatever yeah. Um, guys let's go with final thoughts I'm gonna just say mine real quick we've said it all we enjoy this movie I think it's done well if it's not a movie that could ever be rebooted remade redone not that it has to be not that anyone's asking to but like it is a movie that ticks every box for the type of movie that it is and then some how do you create a movie that seals itself in time and it doesn't matter when or where you watch it you know like who cares that this takes place in 1994 you know what i mean like it has to Mm -hmm. the movie has to take place in exactly the universe that it takes place Mm -hmm. in and it is done very well i could go on and on and on Rob, thank you for bringing this one Hell to the table
1: today. Yeah. yeah.
0: No, seriously. Thank you for bringing this one to the table. I mean, like, you guys really enjoyed it. I was moderately entertained. What? You sent me text <laughs> messages I'm with kidding. clips I'm going kidding. like, I fucking love this movie. I forgot how good it was. Uh, Superman 2, sit down. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, no, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Every time I, like, I put it on, I'm like, okay. You always try to spot new things that they're talking about like the one thing that i spotted was uh you know sticking your tongue in the holiest of holes <laughs> <laughs> in that conversation yeah, i that was, was all great. like oh sure to
2: bring that up at the birthday party later peter <laughs> huh uh- I said, make sure to bring that up at the birthday party. I like. definitely yeah, yeah, will. Yeah, yeah. I will be bringing that up. <laughs> yeah, oh, yes.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. But thank you for bringing this to the team. Yeah, no. I, I can't wait to do another Tarantino film.
1: Yeah. Uh, for me, guys, uh, there's... I'll say this and I'll add a little remark as to why this movie also resonates with me. It's For me, Pulp Fiction is like Forrest Gump. I just never get tired of watching it. I can rewatch it over and over again. And like mm-hmm. I, I will always enjoy it because it's just one of those movies that I just... I, like you just can't help but enjoy it's just a good time even though it's crazy criminals that we're watching and it's long it's still just so great to watch so overall that's my whole thing the last thing I'll say is that this movie really struck a chord with me when I was in film school particularly because when the adrenaline shot scene is happening right mm-hmm. Tarantino uh, sorry Tarantino Travolta yells out like you know they're having this conversation with Eric Roberts or whatever it's like get the shot or like get the shot and he like yells it like that right yeah. like that yeah. made me laugh so hard and it got to the point when we were in film school and we were just like these filmmakers trying to get these short films in 16 millimeter back in the day trying to roll stuff and i remember that it was like we would be setting up the lights but we're running out of time and i'd always be like guys get the shot like i'd be yelling <laughs> "Like we just gotta get the shot man like we gotta move you know what i mean so ever since then i've applied that which circles back non-linearly to a Tarantino thing that he does, which is what I'll close off with. At the end of every Tarantino scene that he shoots, he always says, we'll always get one more shot. Why? And he tells the crew to all pitch in on this. It It was because we love making movies. They all yell that out together. And I think that that sums up what Pulp Fiction is for me. It's just a love of making movies, which is what I love to do. And it strikes my heart that there are people out there that share that same passion I infinitely. So that's that's my love that
0: passion.
2: Hell yeah. Also, more on Eric Stoltz later Eric Stultz, in this podcast. the podcast. We haven't talked about him you? since Back to the Future. And uh, yes. I loved him as the drug dealer. <laughs> Guys. Prank caller.
0: I don't know you. Who is this? Don't come here. I'm hanging up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller.
2: Wrong number. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh,
2: man. <laughs> All right. This, definitely uh, this is, is great. I just want will... <laughs> <laughs> Wow. You heard it here first, everyone. Uh, we got a new favorite movie for Peter. Um, so let's wrap it up. If our listeners could leave us a five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, that would be great. You don't even have to leave a real review. Just tell us which Judge Dredd movie is better Dredd or Judge Dredd. That's all you got to put. Or as which long as you Tarantino got five stars. Film. Sure. Put whatever you want. As long as it's five stars. Five stars, I could give a shit less. Um, just establishing <laughs> our Judge Dread rules from last episode. Yeah, <laughs> um, yes. uh, We can now be found on heavymetal.com. Just click their podcast yes. tab. Uh, we can be also be found anywhere else you like to listen to podcasts, but if you go to Heavy Metal, you can see the link that gets distributed everywhere. Guys, another great episode. I'm really looking forward to next week. Be yes. Me yes, too.
1: yes, guys. Well, uh, I'm going to take us home I guess yes, so it. it's been a pleasure guys to review Pulp Fiction with you guys uh, I'm so glad we got to do it uh, and anyway so listeners do what Rob said and for Rob and Peter I'm Rob Federick and you've been listening to Magical at the Movies take care guys bye bye
2: Madrigal of the Movies with Rob and Rob is hosted by Peter Madrigal, Rob Federick and Rob Schulte. The podcast is edited by me, Chris Tyler and produced by Rob Schulte. If you're looking to support this podcast, check out the merch link in the show notes or just leave us a 5-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you have any suggestions for a movie you'd like us to cover, you can reach out to me on Twitter at Christos Tyler or to Rob at Rob K Schulte. Thanks and we'll see you again next week.